want to find out more, please stop by the Connection Center after the service. If today is your first time with us, welcome. We are so glad you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, please swing by the Connection Center in the hallway after the service. There you will find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. Here at Overlake, there are many opportunities to serve and to get involved. If you'd like more information about any of the various ministries, from Kidtown Children's Ministry, student ministries, to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that in the connection card in your handout, and we will make sure to get you all the information that you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe the church is more than just a building to gather in on a Sunday, but a family that can come together to worship the God who loves us and then head out in our community to share His love with others. We hope you have a great experience at Overlake this morning. God bless you. Good morning, Overlake. Welcome to the first summer family one service, all, all together as one body. Uh, how would you go ahead and stand with us? Let's, uh, let's raise our voices and lift the roof off this place.
That is, that is a powerful truth to sing and to declare and to believe. Well, I'm Pat, I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and I am joined with one of Overlake's finest middle schoolers right here. Hello, uh, my name's Isaiah. I'm going into eighth grade, and it's actually pretty convenient because I have camp right after this. Um, all of junior high is actually going to Island Lake right after this service, so it's going to be really fun. Boom! Camp! Camp starts today! Well, uh, we want to lead a game. We're going to play a family game here in a moment. And, and before we do, I just want to quickly let you know, as, as you walked in and you received a handout, inside there is something we call the connection card. And, and on the front, just let us know the best way to stay in communication with you throughout the summer as we're getting information out on park, park parties and, and things like that. And, and then on the back, what, what, what can they do on the back? There's a prayer spot. There is the a prayer back. spot. And if you make a prayer... We will gladly pray for you. That's right. You make the prayer. We pray for you. All right. If uh, buckets will come by later, you can drop these in there. Or if it's your very first time, uh, we, we want to make sure we get a gift in your hand. So hang on to your connection card. Swing by the Connection Center after service, and we will get that gift to you. All right. We're playing a game. We're playing a game. So everybody shake it out a little bit. This one requires a little bit of movement, a little bit of movement. And what's the name of this game? called Poser. 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 Really I'm pretty sure we've played it here before. Um, so there's going to be a couple slides of different poses, and you're going to need to make that pose when you're up there. 
So it could be any pose. And if it lands on that pose and you're making that pose, you're out. You're out. So let's look at the poses, okay? You have four options of the pose you get to make, all right? The first option is this. Okay, Spider the, the Spider-Man. Everybody give your best Spider-Man. Spray a little bit of that web. All right, all right. So that's one pose. Remember that, remember that. Iron Man, Iron Man. As you can tell, the theme for Kid Town Camp coming up has to do with superheroes. The next theme here after Iron Man is, ooh, Black Panther. Boom, yes. My favorite of the Marvel movies. Oh, yes. Fourth pose, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. All right, all right. So uh, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Black Panther, and Captain Marvel are your options. If it lands on that one, you're making that pose. I'm sorry, but you're out. Okay, so here's how it, it works. It'll, we'll say ready, set, go, or ready, set, pose, and then you pick one of the four options, okay? Let's do it. Ready, set, pose. And it's Iron Man! Oh. All of you Iron Man! You can blast on out of here. Take a seat. Sit on down. What were you doing that last round? I was actually doing Spider-Man. Spider-Man, that's what I did. Spider-Man's right. one of my favorites. All right, pick another one, pick another one. Ready, set, pose. I'm going oh, Iron wow. Man. Captain Marvel, you're out of here. Oh, I don't even know. Are we playing for a prize? Uh, Yeah, actually, I think so, right? Yes, we have prizes for winners. Yeah. All right, ready, set, pose. pose. Spider-Man. Spider -Man. You're out of here. You're one. out That's of here. That's a popular one. All right. Here's you want to say it? Yeah, sure. Ready. Set. Pose. And oh. it is Black Panther. Black You're Panther. gone. I couldn't see from here. I'm going to look back next time. All right. Pick another. All right. Ready. Set. Pose. And it is Pose, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. All right. Everyone's wow. kind of caught on to if you just do the one that just happened, you're kind of safe. Okay. If All right. Still up, All right. I see, I see how you're thinking. All right. Ready, set, Pose. pose. I'm going Iron Man. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. If you I chose just lost. Iron Man, I'm sorry. All right. Couple more rounds. Here, you say it, Isaiah. Okay. Ready, set, Pose. And we got Iron, Iron Man. Man. Iron Man, you're out of here. Nice, wow. a lot of Captain Marvels wow. that round, I noticed. All right, couple more. Ready, set, pose. Is it gonna be? What? All Is right, that... Captain Marvel. Oh, All right, last round. I think we have enough prizes. Once, once, one more round here. One more round here. I, I can't tell all right. if he's going like this or this. This is the final ones. Everyone select your pose. We all wanna see. Pick your favorite superhero out of the four, and that'll, that'll let, you know, let us know something about you. All right, a lot of Captain Marvels, okay. All right, ready, set, pose. Spider-Man, Spider you're gone, you're gone. Wow. All right, stay standing if you're a winner and do a Superman pose, or actually that's DC, I shouldn't have done that, that's terrible. Uh, uh, just do your favorite DC. superhero uh, pose right now. We will have a prize coming out to you. Uh, and wave your hands a little bit. All right, those are coming around, those are coming around. You keep waving your hand, and actually everyone else stand on up. And what are we gonna have people do? Meet each other. Meet each other. That's right. That. My bad. 
meet each other. Take 30 seconds, meet the people next to you. We have a fun question to ask. Give a Go big old it. hug to everyone. Welcome again, my name is Phil, I'm the Children's Pastor here at Overlake. That was a quick recap of Kidtown Camp, our VBS program from last year, last summer. Um, this summer our event is, is in just a few weeks and it's, it's for the kids going into kindergarten or pre-K through to second grade. We focus on the younger kids at our VBS program and the older kids kind of throughout the year. It's super, super fun, so if you know of a child of that age or you'd like to serve with us, it's just three mornings, we'd love, love to get you connected and hang with us those, those mornings. Well, as I say, um, I oversee our ministries to programs for all children, fifth grade and below. So whether that's midweek or on Sundays, whatever it is, if it happens here for kids, I oversee those programs. So raise your hand if you're in fifth grade or below. If you're in fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, blah, blah, blah. It's a few of you, okay, cool, cool. If you're maybe the parent or a guardian of a fifth grader or below, a few more. Um, what if you, maybe you know someone who's in fifth grade or below? Okay, get, getting that, getting that, okay. Um, what about, raise your hand, if at one point in your life you were fifth grade or below? There's still a few confused. So that's, okay. Well, children's ministry um, touches every life. It's a ministry that we're super passionate about. I'm super passionate about, but it's a, it's a passion here at Overlake. We make it a top priority. We love kids and students here at Overlake, and, and we're building this world-class ministry of Kid Town and Student Ministries. Um, we're actually heading into an exciting season at Kidtown. We've just brought on a new um, upper elementary pastor, John. You, you probably met him maybe last week or in the weeks to come. We're super excited to invite, to welcome their family to part of our team and see what he brings. And, and for you guys that serve week in, week out, or in summer events, we can't do the ministry without you, whether it's children's ministry in the nursery all the way through to fifth grade, or whether it's in student ministries, whether you're going to camp just this afternoon. Um, thank you so much for serving, for investing in the lives of kids and students. It's, it's really what we, we need. It's what God wants us to do is to empower others to serve Him in the lives of kids and students. So if you are heading to camp this afternoon, good luck. It's going to be so good. That, that shower when you get home is going to feel so good. Um, this morning, as you've probably noticed, we've invited all our elementary age kids and students to join us in the worship center. And uh, we're going to do that just two more times, so three times total this summer. So if you're concerned that the, the, all the kids' classrooms and the student ministry are going to be closed all summer, 
that's not the case. It's just today, once in August, and then our Labor Day celebration. We're going to have everyone together because we think it's important for every now and then for us to worship together as a kind of larger church family, as this kind of more extended body of Christ so that, that kids and students can be in this place and experience a connection with God in, in this room together with, with their grown-ups, their, their adults, the people that they, they can rub shoulders with. And I, I think it's really important for us as adults to see them worship too and see how faith is living out in their lives and how they're expressing that um, in, in, in this space. So they feel connected to a church rather than just a venue. We, we would hate it for, for students to graduate, go to college, and feel like they've graduated the program at Overlake. We wanted to be able to come back here and feel like this is a church they're still a part of, not a program that they once graduated from. So this morning, um, we're starting our summer series. We're walking through um, the first half of the book of Acts this summer. Each week, we're taking a chapter, and, and, and we're going to look at this kind of first 14 chapters or so about how the early church began, kind of the beginning, back to the beginning of the early church. And although this is a new series today, this morning, it's not actually the beginning of the story. It's actually the second part. It's Act 2. So Luke is the author of Acts. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, too. And in the gospel, he tells us of what Jesus did and uh, what he taught. And in the second book, the book of, of Acts, he tells us what the risen Jesus continues to do, what he continues to teach through the Holy Spirit and through his followers. Now, the end of the gospel of, of Luke overlaps the first chapter of Acts by about 40 days. So it does seem right to assume that the last words that Jesus said, recorded in, in, in Luke and then again in Acts 1, are super important. And they're worth um, resting on for a moment. They're meant to be words to guide his disciples in the time between his ascension to heaven and his return, which is the same time period that we find ourselves in. So in this first chapter of the book of Acts, Luke begins the letter addressing this guy named Theophilus, which is not a yogurt. Um, it actually means loved by God. And it seems kind of plausible, therefore, that's what that means, that, that this, this letter is to all, all believers, to everyone who is loved by God. And, and so we kind of read the letter in, in that sense. But it is widely accepted that Theophilus was probably an actual person. And uh, Luke wrote, this wrote the gospel and the book of Acts to help confirm the teachings that this guy had heard. We don't know precisely who he was, um, because it's not that important. There's a ton of different theories about who he is. Um, and it seems to be, though, that he was some person of some kind of authority, some sort of influence. But to give us a little bit of context and an overview of the passage we're going to look at this morning, and take a look at this. This is Jesus. hey -oh. Jesus is the Savior of the world and the Son of God. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love. He healed many people from their sickness, performed many miracles like calming storms, and even raised people from the dead. But some people did not like what Jesus was doing. And they put him to death. He died on a cross and was buried in a tomb. For three days, Jesus' body laid in that tomb, and it seemed that there was no hope. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman who cared for Jesus went to go visit his body found that his tomb was empty and that he was no longer there. For he was risen. He was alive. Huh? Hey -oh. 
And then for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples and many others and showed them that he was alive and well. He taught them that what he did was the only way that they could be forgiven and be with God forever. Jesus told his disciples that he did all the things that God had told everyone that he would do, and the disciples understood what he was saying. Yep, that makes sense. He told them that he would send the Holy Spirit, just as God had promised to be their helper. Sounds good. After Jesus had spent 40 days with the disciples and appeared to many people, hey, that's it. He led the disciples to a place called Bethany. Jesus blessed the disciples and told them to go out and tell the whole world about him and the good news of forgiveness and make disciples of them. Then he said, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Then Jesus was taken into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. Not long after that, the Holy Spirit did come to the disciples to be their helper. The disciples knew that God would truly be with them always. And the Holy Spirit is still with us today, for Jesus promised that he would be with us to the end of the age, and he is. <laughs> you can clap for that. I'm not going to vouch for his, the historical accuracy of that, but it gives you an idea of where we're heading. Um, the three things I want to focus on in, in our time together this morning from this passage is that there's a, there's a promise, there's some great power, and then there's a purpose. And what's super cool about the first chapter of Acts is it outlines these, these three huge themes that we see woven throughout the book of Acts. So over the whole 28 chapters, really. But, but first, Acts 1 reminds us that a great promise is fulfilled. That a great promise is fulfilled. In verse 4, it says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells them to, to wait. He says, Don't leave Jerusalem yet. Don't jump into action ill-prepared. Don't, don't race off and do something dumb. Now, we have um, three kids under four, so we do dumb things all the time. Um, that's just how it goes. But baking, baking cakes and decorating cakes is kind of one of those go-to activities every now and then. Um, they get to choose a, a box at the grocery store. You get to pick the flavor you want. We work on measuring ingredients and throwing it all in, mixing it together, that kind of stuff. We get the thing in the oven. And then, and if you have little kids, you know this, you have to wait for what feels like a lifetime for this thing to bake. And then when it finally does, and the timer goes off and you get it out, you then have to wait a second lifetime for it to cool before you can frost it and throw every kind of forgotten Halloween candy you can find on top. Frustrating, perhaps, but necessary. The timing is important. Now, maybe you've never done this. I kind of like as a rite of passage. But if you have ever frosted a warm cake before, you'll know it does not end well. So a cake that should look like this one up on the screen, uh, if you frost it too quickly, will end up looking more like this one very, very quickly. <laughs> it is worth waiting. It is worth the wait. And it reminds me um, 
of a story. When I, once, a few years ago, I was in Florida, and we were at um, Universal Studios, and we were going to uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And if you know the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, uh, or any of the books, or whatever, they drink this stuff called butterbeer and um, pumpkin juice. So if you go to the theme parks, they sell this stuff. And I think it's like a cream soda and then a, an orange cream soda. I don't know what it is. Um, it's just something sweet and gross. So we're there, and we're like, well, we should go to the um, Lee Creek Cauldron or whatever and, and get these drinks and get a shepherd's pie, because that's what you want at a theme park. Um, and eat this stuff, because that's what you do in the book. So we're doing this, and that's great. So we eat these things, and we, we drink this cream soda stuff, and then um, go on a ride immediately afterwards. <laughs> and this ride is it's in Hogwarts Castle, and you, you sit down, obviously. And you sit down, and there's a thing, and then you kind of do this, and there's a screen, and you can't tell when you're moving or when you're not moving, when the building's moving, or if the world stopped turning. You can't quite tell what's happening, and it's very, very cool. And we got off. And I, I did not feel good after that. And so everyone else I'm with um, went on another ride. And I was like, I got, guys, I got to just, I, I need to sit for a second because there's a lot of people everywhere. Most are wearing capes. They want to buy wands. I can't. I just need a second. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot happening. And um, so they went on this ride. And I was like, I, you know what? I, I think I'm, uh, I'm going to throw up. So I, <laughs> this is a beautiful story for the morning. Um, ran to the bathroom in a theme park, remember? So I'm in this theme park, ran to the bathroom, and I threw up with such vigor into the toilet that the toilet water splashed back up <laughs> as like some kind of mouth cleanse. <laughs> so apparently wait after you eat. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's not even in the notes. Um, some of you know this, but my um, undergraduate degree is in medical microbiology, and during that time, I felt, this is actually irrelevant to that story, I felt the call into ministry, and I, I was kind of setting up, for that last year of that degree, setting up an internship um, at a church in, in Luton in England. It's this old church in a in a city that has uh, huge demographic differences and tons of struggles. And so I was going to do that, and that was going to be cool, and, and do some Bible college stuff. And that was the plan. I was super excited about it. It was out of a comfort zone. It was something different. It was church leadership. It was, it was some social justice stuff. It was cool. Um, and then a few months ahead of that, kind of in the spring, I felt God say, no, I need you to wait. It wasn't like, no, never find a new career path. It was just, I want you to, I want you to wait. And I don't, I don't, this isn't what I want you to do. And so that whole excitement just went away, and I was a little bit kind of just not lost, but I was just sort of hanging out, going, okay, well, what is next, and if that's not it, if, if that's a time to wait. Um, so we did, I waited, and that waiting led to a nursing degree, and working in the ER for a few years, and that in turn led to more focused volunteer work in children's ministry, um, and then when I felt led to revisit an intern opportunity, and it was now in children's ministry, and the timing felt right, and the opportunity felt right, and I started that journey with vastly different experiences than I would have done a few years before. So sometimes timing is super important, and sometimes waiting is super important. And Jesus reminds them, the disciples, that God has promised something, that he's promised this great gift, that there's something worth waiting for that will change the outcome. He said, hang on. And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
And now, this is something that God has promised before in the, in the Old Testament. It's not a brand new thing. In the Old Testament, in the Joel um, chapter 2, we read, After doing all these things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. So this, this is not new. This is not a new promise. It's actually an old promise that God is going to pour out His Spirit on all believers. He wants to live and reside in His people. He wants to live in all believers, regardless of, of gender or, or race or income or education or age or whether you're right hand or left hand or whatever things that differentiate between each other. God wants to live in all of us. And it was true in the time of Moses in the Old Testament. The nation of Israel was chosen to be, to be set apart as, as an example. They were to show what it looks like to be a nation chosen by God and to be blessed by Him. So Moses is, is leading, and, uh, leading this, these people. He's interacting with God. He's spending weeks and, and months at a time up on this mountain. And through those encounters, encounters, God is telling Moses that he wants to be among the people. He's not just a God of the heavens far apart from them, but he wants to be among them. And that's a major narrative throughout the whole Old Testament that God wants to be with his people. It didn't just happen after the cross and after Jesus came. Amen. So the, this fulfilled promise leads to our second theme, that a great power is unleashed. And that great power is the Holy Spirit. And the passage reminds us of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the Old Testament, there were times where God filled people with His Spirit, but they were sort of special moments. There were few and far between. But as the Israelites moved from place to place in their journey to the Promised Land, they carried with them this, this tabernacle, this tent thing, basically. It was specifically made to house the Ark of the Covenant where God would reside, this physical representation of God's presence among his people. And in Exodus 31, we read, the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mountain gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. Amen. This is the, the first occasion recorded in Scripture where someone was filled with the Spirit, which I think is super interesting that it wasn't Moses or Abraham, but it was some guy that we actually all kind of know very little about. The Spirit isn't reserved for certain leaders, certain personalities. But in this case, God chooses someone with incredible skill, but someone that needed the, the Spirit to develop those skills with a divine power for this specific job that God had in mind for him. Bezalel then goes on and makes all these items that God wants for the tabernacle, following a really specific set of instructions. And I think we often think of the Holy Spirit as something that only works spontaneously. And that certainly does happen. And so we should always remain open to prompting of the Holy Spirit. But I don't think we should be so afraid of that that, that we might, anything we might plan or strategize would, would quench it. This passage shows that there can and should be plans and, and, and details worked through that are still of the Spirit. God had some specific plans of how he wanted the temple or the tabernacle to be built. So in other words, we can invite the Spirit to, to help us prepare for things and plan for things and help us when we find ourselves just in the middle of things. And this, I think, gives us a clue about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He's building a place to reside. And God has high standards, which is, which is why we need Jesus in the first place. Alone, we can't meet God's perfect standards. 
We, we need the grace of God and the atonement that Jesus gives us on the cross, his forgiveness, his reconciliation. It's the only way we can be right with God again. And that reconciliation, that forgiveness, that acceptance is, is offered to everyone, regardless of what we initially bring to him. But there is a process and there is a journey to become a place where the Spirit can reside. The Israelites built a tent when they were on the move, but it was temporary. And God had a more permanent place in mind with specific instructions of how this big temple should be built. And if the Spirit enters our lives and we bring a tent, then God will begin to change us to be the place He wants to be in. And my family and I, we live in Cottage Lake, and when we moved there, we joked that we, until we had something covered by a blue top, we probably wouldn't really fit in. It's like this weird requirement that once you leave Woodenville city limits, you've you got to have something, a boat or a car or a pile of wood covered in some form of a blue top. It's, it's really important. Um, but we, we do love the, the remodel story, don't we? Everyone kind of enjoys that. That's why HDTV is so popular. We, we love the story of redemption, the story of renewal, something old and broken into something new and complete. And it's even better when there's some tear-jerking backstory. But the story usually begins here, up on the screen, of, uh, you know, a, a, we learn of the struggle, we learn of broken pipes, of flock wallpaper, with the, the, the just genuine pain of having interior walls. And, and then we walk through this, <laughs> this romantic demolition day, and it looks something like this on screen, uh, and everything is stripped back to the bones. And work can begin once this foundation and structure is sound. And then we get the final reveal. And it looks something like that. Fancy, yeah. But on HDTV, they always skim over the process. The effort, the work, the money, the sacrifice, and the mess. They show someone just swinging a sledgehammer, and, and it just destroys this wall with one clean blow. They gain five pounds of muscle mass just instantly, and it's super sexy and fun, and oh, it's great, and people are sweating in a good way, and it's, it's perfect. In reality, it's super slow. Every screw you try to take out just strips. The paint won't come off. There's problem after problem after problem. That every time you take something off, 10 more things happen. The dust is unbearable, and nobody ever is having as much fun as Chip and Joanna pretend they are having. <laughs> Note, they're not wearing work gloves, so I'm pretty sure that's a staged photograph, and they are not emptying that house of rubble. So if we bring God our lives, and it resembles a, a home in need of a remodel, then we're going to have some work to do. There's nothing we can do that will make God love us any less. And he welcomes us regardless of how we come to him. But if our lives are like a rundown house, then when the Spirit resides in us, God is going to want to do some, some of that work. He's going to want us to work through the list, clean the gutters, clean the windows. Clear the moss off the roof. Work through the stuff that over time we just, become, we just become blind to. We don't even see anymore. House remodels are super messy. So are life remodels. And it takes hard work. And it takes time. But it's worth it. And now what Jesus is telling his disciples is that God's spirit is coming. And it's not just going to be available for a select few. It's, it's, it's not just for the especially skilled or the holiest or whatever. God's Spirit is coming to fill all of the followers of Jesus. And then, um, back to our passage, something miraculous happens. Verse 9, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. 
And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men said he stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. There is great power in the ascension. There is great power in that. It is much more than a fairy tale ending. Amen. Like we often focus on, on the cross and the forgiveness of sin, and that is totally right and totally important. But it is only part of the story, and it's not the end of the story. Because if we only focus on, on the cross and only focus on, on the resurrection, and the ascension is just this neat bow that ties it all together, or just a, a, like a fairy tale ending, we're not fully embracing the whole of the gospel message. If Jesus rose from the dead and then lived another 50 years and then died at 80 peacefully in his sleep, then he just suffered the same fate as the rest of us. The the result of sin is death, and Jesus conquered that. So his ascension to heaven is an important event that shows the defeat of sin and death and further proves everything that he taught. The good news doesn't end at the cross or the empty tomb. It includes that ascension too. The coming of the Spirit, the eventual return of Christ, And Jesus is taken into heaven where he's seated at the right hand of our heavenly father, seated upon the throne, preparing a place for us for all eternity. Because the ascension solidifies our future with Jesus. It solidifies our future with Jesus. It means that heaven is our future, a future that is secure, a future that fills us with hope and with peace, no matter what we're going through in this world, no matter what sort of trials or challenges we're facing. Not looking back, but looking forward, learning from what we know and, and learning from what we've seen, but not, not dwelling on it. That passage said, why are you standing here just staring into heaven? Get on with it. You have a job to do. Move forward. Because the promise of the Holy Spirit leads to power of the Holy Spirit and the ascension. And that in turn leads to our third, our final theme, and that this passage reminds us, reminds us that a great purpose is given. This promise that brings great power for a great purpose, which is kind of reminds me of the, the Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility, um, which is cheesy, but that's, that's true. I think that's, that's true. In our sense, maybe great power comes with great purpose. We do have a great responsibility, though, to choose to do good, to do good with the things that we've been gifted with, whatever they might be. And if God gives us his great power as he fills us with his great spirit. It isn't just for fun. There's a, there's a great purpose to, to fulfill. So back into that Exodus section, for four chapters, we see Bezalel living out his purpose in building the temple in all these details, following these complicated plans that God lays out for him. And the purpose of the spirit in our lives is similar, although it looks different. The disciples took a while to get it too. So earlier in that uh, Acts passage, we see this exchange. They said, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And once again, they've missed the point. They're still worried about the earthly kingdom. Talk about slow on the uptake. They still hadn't quite got it. They hadn't understood Jesus' kingdom was something that goes way beyond the Hebrew people. This is bigger than that. Jesus is like, what do do I have to do? I've taught on my kingdom. I've given you these illustrations. I've shown you my kingdom through healings, through meals with the marginalized, through relationships with the poor. I've given my very life for the kingdom, and I've walked out of the grave. And you are still getting my kingdom confused with the the earthly kingdom of Israel. A little bit like if you you left after this message and headed home, and and you said, you know what? I I know what I was about, but I'm pretty sure we have to remodel the kitchen. No. (laughs) 
Um, our oldest is uh, three and a half, I think. Yeah, three and a half. And um, a few weeks ago, he was telling me this story, and he was saying, oh, Dad, do you remember when? Um, and most of these times, the remember when. I'm like, uh-huh, I have no idea. But um, I figure I'll catch up at some point, so, I'll just, so we'll just see how it goes. And he said, um, remember when we went on the yellow bus? Mm-hmm. No idea. Um, we, were, we went on the yellow bus, and, then, and, and we were there, and then we, put the, and we couldn't get the bags in. What are you talking about? Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, what else happened? Uh, yeah, we were standing outside, and we got on the yellow bus, and then we sat at the back of the yellow bus, and, um, and Nana and Grandpa were there, and it's like, oh, okay, well, that helps a little bit. Where was this again? It's like, you know, when we were in Spain, and we won the, I was like, oh, okay. So let me explain what the story is about. Last summer, we as a family went to England to spend um, a month or so with, with my extended family. And for a short couple of days, a week or whatever it was, in the middle of that, we went to Spain. So we went to Europe. We spent a lot of time with family. We went to Spain and spent some time at the beach. And, and all that comes with that. Stanley remembers the shuttle bus from the airport to the rental car place. <laughs> That's his takeaway. Oh, I'm missing the point. And in response to the disciples, Jesus replies, and I can only imagine this is in a calm, only Jesus could kind of way. He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He clarifies the point that the purpose of the Spirit in our lives is to be a witness, to tell people about Jesus. A witness just tells people what they've seen, what they've heard, or what they've experienced. You don't have to remember cute lines. It's not about a formula. It's not about knowledge. It's just about relaying a personal experience. Um, I, I like to work out because it helps my mental state more than anything else. But I, the last few years, I've found CrossFit to be helpful. Um, I don't know how many of you go to CrossFit. But I'm not as bought in as many of the other athletes are that I know. So they like to talk about the workouts. And if you do this, mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> they like to video themselves during these workouts. I don't know what they do with those. Um, and some people get this. They actually work on things like handstand push-ups instead of avoid them. This makes no sense to me. I don't think anything needs to be done upside down. But there's a common joke that you probably know. You've probably heard it before. Is that the first rule of CrossFit is to tell everyone about CrossFit. <laughs> and then the, the second rule about CrossFit is to tell them again about CrossFit. And people tell others the things that are important to them, the things that fire them up, what they've experienced. They want to share that joy, or potentially that pain, with someone else. Now, I hate to break it to you, but the gospel is more important than a CrossFit. But be careful where you repeat that. So just tell people how Jesus has changed your life. 14 people did it on this stage last week when they were baptized. And if we believe what Jesus has done, if we believe in that, if we believe that he's done what he said, then why aren't we bursting to tell people? That's right. um, so I mentioned earlier about starting an internship in children's ministry, and that's how um, I started my ministry journey. And I wanted something that would take me out of a comfort zone. 
and some were new, so I ended up at a church in California. Uh, and the plan was to stay for two years, but within the first couple of days, a week, I, I really felt God telling me, no, that's, it's going to be a longer journey than that. So I found myself um, in ministry thousands of miles from home, telling children and young people about Jesus and helping them experience him for themselves. A few years after that, I found myself following the prompting of the Spirit to move here and serve at OCC. And I think it's, it's right, and I think it's important to have a plan but there's no way I could have planned that, that journey, the journey I've had over the past 10 years. I, just, I, I think I just followed God, or tried to, followed the prompting of the Spirit, and as best I could allow Him to work through me for His purpose. Geographically, it's taken me far. I'm not sure if Redmond counts as the ends of the earth. Duval might, but, <laughs> but, but spiritually, I think that attitude has taken me further. And it's, I think it's as simple as that. The Spirit resides in us to shape us and to guide us and to change us so that we're able to tell others of Him everywhere. We just need to be open to His leading. Jesus refers to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I think these can be thought of in, in geographical terms. So we could think of Jerusalem as here in, in Redmond or the east side. Or maybe the people in your circle, friends and families or coworkers school friends, whatever. Judea could be the state of Washington. Or maybe it's the people you have to go out of your way to connect with, people that take an, an effort, someone you have to cross a room or, or take an effort to strike up a conversation with, the people you don't see regularly, that kind of thing. Sumeria perhaps is a neighboring state. I don't know, Idaho or something. Or maybe it's just people who are different from you, people you don't have commonality with. They look different, they think different. They vote differently. They enjoy different things. Whether at school or, or at work or on the bus or whatever, you're surrounded by people. Use those opportunities. And then the ends of the earth, I think, is fairly literal. But as I wrap this up, I want to assure you of a couple of things. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit dwells within you. Which means that the same power that raised Jesus from the tomb lives inside of you to help you live a courageous, strong, and victorious life. Amen. So I, I don't obviously know what you're facing right now. I don't know if things are tough. But no matter what it is that you're facing, God's spirit inside of you is greater than anything the world can throw at you. Amen. And the, the second thing is, is this, that God's spirit dwells within you for a beautiful reason, um, that you'll be a clear witness, a, a billboard, if you like, pointing people to the person of Jesus. So maybe think through who in your life might need to hear about how much Jesus loves them. God's spirit within you will help you share Jesus' love with them. Amen. And then lastly, before we, we sing again, let me, let me leave you with this. In Acts 1, the chapter we've been in, verse 14, it says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. So if you're the kind of person that, the, the, yeah, I get it, but where do I start? Well, I think that's a good place. Don't go alone and pray. So let's do that now. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for everything that you have done. We thank you for the, the great promises you give. You're a God of promise. We thank you for the power you offer. And we ask that you help us fulfill our purpose the purpose in our own lives and in the lives of others. We ask you, God, to just instill in us that sense of excitement. Instill in us a, a, a sense of 
passion to tell others about you. Help us to, to harness that power so that we can bring glory to your name. We can point people to the person of Jesus. And in his holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond together.
I cannot think of five better words of response to Pastor Phil's message than come and have your way. I really think, I really think that's what the Spirit is inviting us into. Well, let's do this. Uh, for a brief moment, take a seat. And, and as you're doing that, just go ahead and find that connection card. I, I mentioned it earlier, and now's a good, good chance to maybe uh, finish updating things on the front or... Or maybe a prayer request came to mind, even as maybe you were, were worshiping and singing that song. And, and so jot that down so that we can uh, be lifting that up on your behalf throughout the week. I, I do want to mention there's a few things on the back as far as great next steps and action items. A few uh, upcoming serve opportunities uh, that if you have any availability, it would be fun to, to serve alongside you. Uh, either next Sunday for a, a dinner with the disabled in our community or uh, next Wednesday. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday at Special Delivery in Woodenville. And so mark, uh, mark those down and we'll, we'll get in touch with you. Uh, and let's do this. Ushers, if you can, let's go ahead. Let's have you come forward. We'll pass those buckets. Again, you can just drop these in there unless it's your first time. Meet us in the Connection Center. We would love to get you a gift. Uh, and, and as the back buckets are coming by, it's also our opportunity to give any gifts, tithes, or offerings. Uh, another way of worship, but also helping uh, support the amazing ministry that happens here week in and week out. Well, what I want to do, again, as kind of buckets are, are going by, I want to invite up a friend and a fellow uh, pastor on the team. He's one of your elders. Uh, he's a mentor, a hero of mine, Pastor Dan Hamer. Welcome him up. I, I have to say this. Uh, last week, Pastor Mike told a story of a man named Dan who ran 350 miles in 10 days. That was this guy. That was this guy. I know. I know. Well, I'm bringing Dan up because a year ago we launched something called the Katali Project, and we'd love to give an update, but we also realize there's a lot of new people to Overlake in this past year. So, Dan, can I ask you, just remind us or let us know, what is the Katali Project? Sure. A year and a half ago, Mike, Pastor Mike led us through a seven-week series on Nehemiah, and he talked, to, we, we call it the Katali Project. And what we were doing, we had an emphasis on uh, street children around the world, but in particular in Katali, Kenya. There were hundreds and hundreds of kids living alone on the streets, no parents, no influence, treated like garbage. And we had been working at Overlake with an organization called Agape Children's Ministry that um, in the city of Kasumu, we had integrated over 2,000 children off the streets and back into families. So we put out the challenge. We, we put out the challenge to Overlake that we wanted to replicate that program into the city of Katali. So we did a, a one-time fundraising ask. We've got people making ongoing commitments. And I am thrilled to tell you that this is our anniversary of opening. We opened on July 1st of 2018. Already, 184 children have been taken off the streets. And, and they are now living in their families. They've been through a, an extensive process of rehabilitation, preparing them for them. We've worked with the families. There's follow-up with social workers and pastors visiting them to make sure that, that they stay home back in their communities or in their families. So awesome. So awesome. One, one, more, one more question. I know you get to leave in a week from now uh, with yeah. some Overlakers, Katali. And what are other ways people can, can get information or, or kind of get connected or anything else you want to share? Yeah. 
Yeah, there are 10 of us going over a week from tomorrow to celebrate. They're having a citywide celebration um, of the one-year anniversary. Uh, we're doing a pastor's conference. Uh, we're doing a lot of trauma training with caregivers in the community and, and family members. Um, it's always great if you made a commitment to keep giving. We appreciate that because the work goes on um, with or without your check, so we, we need that help. But uh, we have another trip coming in November, uh, but, but primarily we need a lot of prayer. The, if you saw that statistic up there, 160 of the kids that have been through the program have accepted Christ as their Savior. And these are not high-pressure things. These, are, these kids are invited into the program. They're invited to accept Christ, and they're told, if you want this, then you go find one of the leaders after this. So it's not one of these emotional things where everybody just comes forward. These kids are genuinely seeking a change in their life, and it's been an incredible blessing to the community and, and, and to the churches in those areas. So awesome. So awesome. Let's do this. I'm going to have everyone stand. In just a moment, I'm going to have Pastor Dan actually bless us out of here. And, and, and he'll be around. Uh, we, have, we have a barbecue actually happening right, right after service here in just a minute out front. Um, and, and so uh, if you have any questions or if you want to talk or, or maybe find out more details on that trip in November uh, that was just mentioned, uh, you can swing by the Serve the World desk or, or just chat with Dan. Um, uh, one, one other thing uh, uh, t uh, is, is I want to invite you, if there's any way we can pray with you or for you, or, or maybe there's a praise in your life you would love to share uh, with someone. Our prayer room's open in the, in the prayer alcove, second floor. Uh, you hang a, a little left there. And then I also just want to invite all of you. Uh, I, I, I would say challenge, but I feel like that's not Seattle nice enough. So I invite you, I invite you uh, to take an opportunity during, during our, our uh, lunch together uh, to get some to meet some people you haven't met before, uh, to, to meet some overlakers that are, that are, that are new uh, to you. And so a great opportunity to, to really make that, this, this family feel a lot closer. Uh, and let's do this. Dan, would you, would you yeah. bless us out of here? First, let me say this. This is an incredibly generous church. The, 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 the care and, and support that you've given to the Katali Project and all the projects that we're involved with here at Overlake, uh, I love being a part of a church that doesn't turn away from problems. We don't turn our head when we see pictures of, of, of refugee families. We don't turn our head away when we see a broken foster care system. We don't turn our head away when we see kids living on the streets, either out on the trail or under the bridges of Seattle or in, in the city of Katali, Kenya. So I thank you for being a church that cares, that doesn't turn away. So thank you. So, so, so let me just end with this blessing. May God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that, so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of children so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom, and peace among all people. May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed with those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you really can make a difference in this world so that you are able with God's grace to do what others claim cannot be done. Thank you, Overlake.